Welcome to Kashras on the Air, your weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashras Magazine. And tonight's show is going to be very interesting. We have a, a brief mention of a Kashras uh, alert, which uh, you won't find anywhere else. Of course, you could find it on my website because I put it up just before I came here. But otherwise, you won't find it anywhere at the present time. And uh, it's something a little bit important I'm going to point out. And then we're going to go on to a different topic, something not kosher related, and it's uh, it's something that I thought was be valuable in many different ways to everybody who is listening, even the people who think they don't it doesn't apply to them. I'm going to point out how the whole topic applies to us, and then we're going to discuss some of uh, the uh, cities and some of the interesting things in our kosher travel guide, the 2018 kosher travel guide to 360 different uh, places to visit throughout the 50 United States. And, uh, of course, we touch on many hundreds of more about why, you know, go visit this thing here, visit this there. But the the places where we we mention the 360 means you have a place to eat there, a place to sleep, a place to, not just sleeping, uh, shul, a daven, and something Jewish-oriented. We're not interested in just listing all the cities that are exciting to see in America. (laughs) That's not our, our, our purpose. So it's a tremendous book. It's 120 pages of just the travel information, plus another 34 pages of the magazine itself. And so you have altogether 156, that's just 152 pages of the magazine. It's a, it's a great buy, and it's in some stores now. It will be in many stores this week. And uh, if you don't get it, if it can't be gotten there, you can purchase the Kosher Travel Guide from us directly at 718-336-8544. We now have it available at 718-336-8544. It costs $9, and we don't charge you any extra for mailing it. If you want, you can get it on our website, kashrasmagazine.com. And you, if you want to, you can get it uh, on the. You you can um, also email us at kashrus k a s h r u s at aol dot com. Just give, give us your credit card information, and uh, you'll be just charged nine dollars, and you'll have the book in a couple of days. We rush it over to you. Most of the people who are on the subscription list have received it already. It was mailed out the end of last week. I got mine on Shabbos. I wasn't intending to get it on Shabbos, but that's how it comes out. The postman, you know, he does his delivery. So, but you, if you don't have one yet, and then give it a couple of days. And uh, if you want to purchase one, just contact us. But now, without further ado, I'm going to mention a kashrus alert. There's a popular be- uh, alcoholic beverage, Glenfiddich, the 12 year. Uh, we're talking about Glenfiddich, 12-year, one-liter size from William Grant's in Scotland. Uh, it seems that the the, the Israeli importer was a uh, Baal Chesed, and he wanted to put on uh, additional things to make it attractive to all his purchases. So he put on that it's under the Manchester Basin, which it's not. He has no permission to put Manchester Basin over there. He has no permission from either the uh, manufacturer nor from the cashless uh, agencies, and they asked us to publicize the information in America. Now, many people say to me, Rabbi Wickler, I live here. What are you talking about, an Israel thing? I don't really care. I mean, I will go there once in 10 years. Okay, 
But that's not the reality. The reality is that everything that's sold in Israel ends up in America. It's, it's uncanny. We have so many products with Hebrew labeling on them that find their way into our stores. Don't ask me how. I don't know how. I don't know why. Most, most of the stuff would be really only sold over there. But things that's how things work. Now, if this fellow is getting in trouble in, uh, in, in, in Israel for doing this illegally, in the, it could be that he has bottles he can't get the stuff off of, and he's going to sell it here in America. Oh, that's going to happen. I mean, it just it really does. Very often the products are mislabeled, unauthorized use of a kosher symbol, some other mix-up, and the, the conscious agency made the company recall the product and told them you can't sell it anymore in that packaging. So what do they do with it all? They sell it. Sometimes they sell it outside the country so people in other countries get our garbage, the things that are not kosher, or it gets sold in these dollar stores, the cheaper stores. And I mean, maybe not, maybe they'll got to finish not in a dollar store, but whatever it is, gets sold in some kind of a secondary market or you know, cheaper market. So we have to things resurface sometimes two and three years after it was gotten rid of in the United States or in Israel, whatever it is. It surfaces, and you got to watch out for this. So when you see my my magazine. And you say, oh, there's a section called Consumer Alert Israel. And you say to yourself, well, I don't need that. I live here. That's what you think. <laughs> a lot of the things that are in there are going to end up in your, in your house or in your, in your community at least, not in your house. hospital. But, uh, but a lot of the mistakes are going to end up here in the United States. No, I admit, so a lot, a of, lot things- of listeners in Israel. I, we have, okay, listeners in Israel, so certainly they'll be paying attention. Glenn Fittich... 12-year, one liter, it uh, says it's imported by Abba Achimeyer in Petak Tikva. Rotem Metro, or import it calls it. Rotem Metro import from, uh, then Abba Achimeyer is the street in Petak Tikva. So Rotem Metro import of Glenn Fittish 12-year. Okay, that's a, that's a quickie. Now, let's go on to my topic today. Hey, what can I tell you? You know, uh, I have one brother, and uh, Doctor Mayor Wickler, and you know this. Uh, you know, I, 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 very rarely do I do anything that ties into him on this show, but this that I'm going to read to you now is something that a you should never forget, b you should publicize in any which way you can, and c. We're going to mention, see, what we can do, people who this doesn't apply to, Baruch Hashem, doesn't apply to everybody, so we're going to talk about what we should or could do. So it really, what I'm going to talk about now, applies to everybody. The name of the article, which was published in Mishpacha 519 of, you know, May 19th, just two weeks ago, Midnight Madness, and the Deborah Cena Rove by Dr. Mayor Wickler. Not me, <laughs> my brother. Dr. Wickler, I would like you to evaluate my six-year-old son, a divorced mother told me over the phone a few years back. When I met her a week later for an initial consultation, she explained what had prompted her call. The night before I called you, after I put Avi, it's not his real name, 
After I put Avi to bed, he started crying. I want Tati, he kept screaming. I reminded him that his father and, and I are now divorced, and his father doesn't live with us anymore. But Avi just insisted that he wanted his father and would not stop crying. I felt I had no choice. So even though it was after 11 o'clock, I called my ex and asked if he would come and take Avi for the night. He agreed and came over right away. Almost an hour later, my ex called and told me that he couldn't get Avi to sleep. Avi kept screaming that he wanted me. Then my ex asked if he could bring Avi back. I agreed, of course. My ex put Avi back in his pajamas. But when he turned to leave, Avi threw himself on the doorstep and grabbed my ex's leg, crying and begging him not to leave. I literally had to tear Avi away and into the house in order to, for my ex to be able to finally leave. That midnight madness was very uncharacteristic of Avi, who was normally very well behaved. Can you please evaluate him to determine what's wrong with my son? Let me know if he needs any therapy for whatever is bothering him. When Avi entered my office, I conducted my usual psychological assessment, after which I concluded that he was normal, a normal, well-adjusted six-year-old of above-average intelligence. Toward the end of my final session with Avi, he began reading a poster hanging in my office at that time entitled, Children Learn What They Live. It begins, if children live with criticism, they learn to condemn. Avi read the first line and then asked if it applied to him. Do you live with criticism, I responded. No, Avi said. Then that does not apply to you. Avi read each line, after which we repeated the same exchange. When he finished reading the entire poster, he asked me again, So which applies to me? I gave Avi a blank piece of paper and suggested he compose a line of his own. He wrote, If a child lives with... Then he asked, What should I write? What do you live with? I replied. I live with a mommy and tati who were divorced, he stated matter-of-factly. So write that, I instructed. If a child lives with a mommy and tati who are divorced, Avi read what he had written. Then he asked, what should I write next? What do you learn to, to be because your parents are divorced, I responded. Avi thought for a moment. Then a burst of inspiration flashed across his face, and he continued writing. And when he showed me what he had written, I, I had trouble retaining my composure. He had written, When a child lives with a mommy and tati who are divorced, he learns to be sad. At the follow-up meeting with Avi's mother, I shared my feelings, my findings with her. Then I added, Avi doesn't need any therapy. He needs a mother and father living together, which unfortunately he cannot have now. Divorce is an unavoidable fact of life. We can all agree that certain marriages simply cannot and should not be saved because the differences between husband and wife are so irreconcilable 
that divorce is inescapable. Nevertheless, as Chazal have taught, whoever divorces his first wife, even the Mizbeach sheds tears over it. Gmarin Gittin. But the ones who shed the most tears are invariably the children. Bringing a marriage back from the brink is never easy. Attempting to do so requires Herculean efforts, which often fail. Which is why, explains Teferis Yisrael, the first mission in Peah uses the term Havas Shalom, bringing about peace in reference to reconciling marriages, rather than the more familiar expression Oise Shalom, making peace. It's not so simple to do. Nevertheless, for the children's sake, it's worth making every possible effort to save even one marriage. A few years ago, Jewish special education pioneer Rabbi Shaul Klein was visiting the kever of his late father-in-law, Rav Moshe Stern, the Debrezina Rav Zatzal, on his yurt site. While there, he recently recounted to me he noticed an unfamiliar middle-aged cuff from couple davening fervently at the kever. Rabbi Klein took leave of the gravesite together with this couple. As they were walking away, Rabbi Klein approached the husband and asked in Yiddish, I'm just curious, if you don't mind my asking, what was your connection with my shver? I don't mind telling you at all, replied the husband. You see, when my wife and I were first married, we had a very difficult time getting along with each other. After a couple of years, we mutually decided that the situation was hopeless and agreed to divorce. We chose the Rav Zatzal to be the Masada Get in order to satisfy the highest standards of halacha. We came to his home on 49th Street in Borough Park and asked if he would be Masada the Get. He spoke with us and asked if we had children. We said we had one son a year old. He told us to return the following week together with our son. We didn't understand why. Why we had to bring our bring our child. But we assumed it was necessary for the procedure. When we showed up for the get with our son, the Rav said he was a beautiful boy and asked if he could hold him. We felt both flattered and confused. Nevertheless, we readily agreed and my wife handed him our child. The Rav cradled our son in his arms and started talking to him as if he were a much older child. He said, your parents are about to get divorced. I want you to know what that means for you. It means that you'll face one challenge after another. When you have your up, Sharon, your parents will not bring you to Cheda together. You will spend every Shabbos either with your mother missing your father or with your father missing your mother. In yeshiva, whenever your Rebbe mentions the word divorce, all of your classmates will stare at you and snicker. And as you grow up, you will not have a single day of sunshine. But do not let that get you down, because as the Abishter is the Avi Yisomim, he's the father of the, of, of the um, orphans, he will watch over you too and give you the strength you need to survive this nisayon, this test. My wife and I 
could barely look at each other. We both agreed, however, not to go through with the get. We left and resolved to make our marriage work, one way or the other. That Misa took place over 20 years ago. That little boy is now a chosen. He's getting married tonight. So my wife and I felt we have to come here today just to say thank you. No, not every marriage can or even should be saved. But thanks in part to the efforts of the Debrecina Rav, at least one less child had to learn to be sad. That's the article. If you need it, I can get it to you. I have a copies in the Word file. Uh, you, can, you could email me at kashrus at AOL.com and I'll send you the world Word file. Kashrus at AOL.com. If you heard it, that's an amazing story. Very, very you can strong. never, never forget that story. But I want to tell you that Debrecina Rov was not the only one to do it. And I can assure you if he did it with this couple, he did it with others too, especially since it worked. So I'm sure he did this on a regular basis. Now, my involvement with Gittin goes back to the days when Yeshiva Birkas Ruvain was in, in action. We had the Yeshiva from 1980 to 1999. Unfortunately, at the death of my Rebbe, Rav Vashazim and Zansal, we closed the Yeshiva. But in, in those years... We had Rabbi Melech Schachter, who worked with the RCA, and he was in giving Gitten for 35 years before he joined us. In total, in my estimation, it was about 50 years he was giving Gitten. It's a long time. And I was at a few of them when we had the yeshiva. We did Gitten in the yeshiva, and we went to Gitten with the Rovs, with, with Rav Schachter, that's how. And we we would go, and I would always hear him say, you look like such a nice couple. You sure you want to go through with this? Rabbi Schachter would say to the couple, maybe you want to have a second thought. Now, I'm going to tell you what happens, because I know it. I know it from him, and I know what the story is. Rabbi Schachter was not expensive. It was a cheap get. I mean, as far as get, get and go, everybody's charging three, four times the price. But Rabbi Schachter had to pay the Adem, because they get signed, they get signed in name, they get a few dollars, and not a few dollars, about $50 they got, and the and then the Soifer had to get paid $150 or so, so it, they hang out, that was like the baseline. Now, if he canceled the get that day, he paid the money out of his own pocket to the Adem and to the Soifer. If the man wanted to give him some money, that's also good, he knew that he was not going to send those people home without getting paid. He would never do that. So if he cancels the get, he loses $250. That was the way it worked. So, so, so Rabbi Shachter would say to one couple after another, you look like such a nice couple. You sure you want to go through with this? So I, I used to drive Rabbi Shachter home from the Shear afterwards. After he gave us the Shear and the Yeshiva, I would drive him home. Didn't drive, and I, that was my part. He got to the Yeshiva. How he got there with a train, a bus. I don't know what he did, but we, but we took him home. I took him home. So Rabbi Shachter, I always said, Rabbi Shachter, you don't always say this. He said, well, I don't always say it. Sometimes they're at each other's throat. They, 
yelling at each other or whatever it is. I can see that I, nothing's going to happen here that's going to work out well. But anytime they don't do that, I suggest it. I said, Rabbi Shachter, did it ever work? So he said to me, once. Then he started to think. And he said, maybe twice. And I was amazed. For 35, that was a little bit more than 35, for close to 50 years, he was saying to every couple that wasn't throwing pots and pans at each other, he was saying, you look like such a nice couple. You sure you want to go through this? And it worked once, maybe twice. That, and he still didn't stop saying it because it's that important that once or twice to save a whole marriage. It, it is that important. So that's my little uh, presentation from my brother's article. But what I wanted to uh, to bring down to to everybody else because we're not, uh, you know, we're not we're not into that. Obviously, everybody has to work on shalom bias in their own house, with their wife, husband, children, sons-in-law, daughters-in-law, mechutanim. Everybody have to work on shalom. But there's something else. We as people have some kind of communal responsibility. The number of gitten is rising. The number of people who are dissatisfied and happy rising, and we really, we really have to do something about it. Now, I'm going to give you a little bit from the Torah, and a little bit from Avigda Miller, and then I'm going to give my suggestion at the end. This past week, we read in the Torah, the entire Parsha of Baal Oscha was all about complaining. There were the people who were complaining. Some of them got rewarded, such as the people who... Uh, who who said that they uh, they wanted to keep the they might do the korban pesach and they weren't able to because they were tomei, and and those people were rewarded that Hashem not only gave them pesach sheni but m- mentioned them as the cause for the pesach sheni and they remembered forever that this is their parsha which they got into the Torah just like Yisrael got a parsha in the Torah but they got a parsha in the Torah and they brought it into the Torah Moshe didn't get it in they got it in. Let's consider Rashi brings it down. It's a beautiful thing. It's a tremendous reward. Not just the actual Pesach Sheni, but the fact that the Torah mentions it. So those people were rewarded in the highest level. And then yet on the other hand, we have the people that were complaining that the food is terrible. You know, it's just mona. Mon, 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 mon. What about something interesting like a, a steak? You know, like a steak once in a while. Why can't we get that? So uh, it's a it's a big question. It's a big question. How do we uh, you know how do we reconcile? How do how do we understand that? You know they they had a complaint. No, well, Rabbi Vigda Miller speaks about it, and there's a little booklet that comes out from Torres of Vigdor. I, I recommend everybody who has the who has an email to to get Torres of Vigdor. It costs zero dollars and zero cents, and it comes daily. It is the best of Rabbi Miller. We'll say. And it, uh, it, 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 there's no, all you have to do is send an email to Torres Avigdor, T-O-R-A-S, Avigdor, A-V-I-G-D-O-R dot org, O-R-G. And if there's nothing on the web there, I don't know if there is, you just do info at Torres Avigdor, T-O-R-A-S, A-V-I-G-D-O-R 
www.thebrightsidebible.org. And tell them you want to get on their mailing list. You don't even have to do anything. Just say, you know, you could just have a, a subject line. You don't have to even write anything inside. And you're going to come every day, and you're going to thank me for putting you on the list. And hun- I mean, I don't know if it's hundreds, but definitely dozens and dozens of people have come on from our from our radio show, and they they know that we'd mentioned it <laughs> because he, he's busy for a while putting you on the list. But it doesn't matter to him. And you you're going to have some unbelievable pieces. Just a quick question and answer. It's less than a minute to read it. In this booklet that comes out, you'll also get this if you want it. You don't have to download it. If you want to download it, you download it. It's every single week on the Parsha. Unbelievable from the tapes and the forum that he wrote. And this gentleman just sits over and pours over it and writes it with tremendous love. So in the last week, when we're talking about the complaints that were coming in, and there was a lot of complaints, it was complaints that Jewish people ran away from Har Sinai, and that's what's mentioned there, that ran away, like a Tino, Kaboreach, Mibesa Sefer, like somebody running away from school. And there was just complaints, even Moshe Rabbeinu complained to Hashem, I can't handle these people. And, and, and the question mark of what, what happened with Moshe, was it a good complaint, a bad complaint? Okay, some were good and some were bad. And, I know, and then, of course, you have the complaint of uh, Miriam, who was complaining that, uh, you know, we're no different than Moshe. Why, why, are we, why is he treating his wife that way, to, to stay away from her and when we're, we're living a normal life and we're, we're in the VM also? So the complaints department was last week's Kriya Satara. Full-time complaints, everybody getting in the action, some being rewarded. Even, even Aram did the silent complaint. He felt bad that he wasn't involved with the Korbanas of the Nasim. And Hashem rewarded him with the Hadlokos Haneros and the Tibas Haneros. So actually, he, didn't, he, he did the non-complaint. It was all in the brain. But he didn't complain to Hashem. He just felt bad. And Hashem said, you know what? You have a good, good, a good point, and you're going to get an extra you got so many other things. When you're going to get an extra, just because you felt bad about this, I'm going to do something very special for you. So actually, he also was a winner. And two out of the a whole bunch were winners. <coughs> the rest were all failures. And Moshe Rabbeinu is a question mark, and I'm going to talk about Moshe Rabbeinu in a minute. Anyway, this booklet goes through it, and he, and he asks, you know, what were they complaining about? They had the money. It tastes like anything you want. And they had, they had everything. Hashem was taking care of them. The clothes, everything was perfect. So you know what they were missing? Here's what they were missing. You know what was lacking in the midbar, says, says Victor Miller? Entertainment was missing. Yes, entertainment was lacking. When Am Yisrael were in the midbar, there was no entertainment. The Jewish nation never had any entertainment. They never had any public games, never had races, never. And that was an affliction for the weak-minded fellow. What would he do on a Sunday afternoon if he couldn't go ice skating, and there was no theater or baseball either. There was none of that in the Midbar. Am Yisrael lived sim- lives of simplicity. So people were complaining. And the Hisavu Taiva, they wanted uh, something that's fun, that's 
you know, they wanted a juicy piece of meat. It's not enough that the thing tastes like a steak. I want that chewy feeling in my mouth. I want to see the the juices oozing out. I want to feel the the, the texture of the marshmallow. I want to, I, I can't, it's not the same. I got to think about it. Come on. I want to taste it again. And that was what, what bothered them. It was, they, they worked on, it was their desires. It, that was the problem. So they they started to complain, and and uh, Miller, of course, said he discusses what you know to be happy with life. That's his theory. Here's a man who has a nice, quiet home. Says Rev Miller, he might even have a couch and a dining room table, but he's not satisfied with a quiet and peaceful home. He wants more, so he goes for a walk down the street. Maybe outside he'll feel the good times. So he's walking down the street in the summer here in Brooklyn, and it's very hot. And maybe he's thinking, oh, if I had a car and I could go to Maine in the woods someplace and have a nice cabin with an air conditioner and let's say a hammock and a swimming pool and other things too. Of course, other things too, because it, it, it never ends. I want some fun, he says. So I think I could get in my car and travel somewhere. And of course... Cassius Magazine giving him 360 places. You don't even have to go to Maine. You can go to normal Illinois. That's right. That's one of my my latest interventions. There's a city called Normal Illinois. And I talk about it in, in the Cassius Magazine. You'll be able to see what you can do in normal Illinois. <laughs> so Rob Miller says, you don't seem to, people don't seem to be happy with what they got. And that's what the lesson of the Mon in the Midbar came to teach us to always be happy with the most simple things in your life. Not to merely accept your lot begrudgingly, but to actually be bursting with joy in your chilek, your portion in this world. When we say, Lucky, fortunate, who is the the rich person? He was happy with his lot. It doesn't mean that it's a good thing. It's a chiyuv, an obligation upon you to be happy that you're alive. You should be so happy with your portion and you, that, you are, that, and you're, that you're alive that you're busy singing to Hashem all day. And then appreciate everything Hashem is giving you. That's the real problem. And he points out very interestingly that Moshe Rabbeinu said, I couldn't handle the people's problems. They're complaining all the time. So he says something extraordinarily interesting. He says that the Zakanim saved the day. These wise men, because Hashem gave him 70 Zakanim to help him. These wise men that Moshe Rabbeinu spread out and started giving lectures to show the people how fortunate they really were and to teach the people the secret of achieving true happiness in even the most simple life functions. That was the purpose of the Zakanim, to pick up the task of educating the Jewish people in the Midbar to appreciate that which they already had. And that and that's a beautiful understanding that Moshe Rabbeinu is not, I don't know if, if some, some people learn in a negative way that Moshe was sort of taken, some things were taken away from Moshe, given to these people, but it, the way it reads, from Rabbi Miller at least, is that Hashem rewarded Moshe that he had more assistance because he was concerned that the people didn't appreciate what they had enough, but he wanted to try to convince them that it's appreciate what they have. 
And therefore, Hashem sent him 70 people to lessen his burden, to make him more successful in teaching the people how to appreciate what they had in the Midbar already, which is very beautiful. Now, in marriage, there are certain things built in that are benefits. And Chazal go through it. I'm not going to do it here, this hour on the radio show. Uh, that, uh, not for children, but they, the, the Chazal go through it, and they talk about how a woman p- prepares the food and she this, etc., and she raises the children, and she provides other things to the man. These things are benefits that the man has. And then the woman has benefits from the man. Now, of course, she like more things. She wants to schmooze a little more than he wants to. She wants to go some places more than he wants to. And he would wish her wife, his wife would do this a little more than, than she does or that a little more than she does. It's correct. There probably are suggestions that each would make for the other to improve on their relationship. It's correct. And that, and that is what makes life interesting. But appreciation for what you have, that's the key. And Miller's line is, you know, that you'll stay together and you'll walk each other down the aisle and that's that's his uh, that's his philosophy, and of course it works if you want if you want it to work. Now, Rob Miller um, has a piece. It just came a couple of days ago from Torres of Vigdor, Rob Miller on divorce and regret. And I'm going to skip part of it because he talks a little bit about down about marriage counselors, and I would admit that that some of the marriage counselors are helping the people to get divorced. It really is a very common in the field, although I know my brother is not that kind. He's, he's told me a number of times that he disagrees with many of the people in the field, and he feels that every marriage should try to be saved. But here's, a, here's something that Rav Miller does say, which is important, and everybody would agree to. And so my advice is to go to an older Talmud Chacham. That's not me! said Rav Miller. <laughs> I'm not old, and I'm not a Talmud Chacham. He probably said this even in his 80s or 90s. <laughs> and and I, uh, my telephone is ringing all day long because of this, and I don't advertise. <laughs> there are good people. There are good people to go to. Not me, an old Talmud Chacham. But don't make a mistake, because when people go to a marriage counselor, or even worse, to a psychologist or a psychiatrist, they pay a, lot, a big fee but they expect an old Talmud Chacham to sit down for an hour and talk, and they walk out and say, thank you. <laughs> Therefore, you make it your business to remunerate him generously, as if he liked money. You should pay a generous fee. There are Talmud Chachamim, some of them who don't take anything, but you can, get it to get, you can give it to their charities, their yeshivas, and they will give you a little bit of time, a few minutes, that's more precious than sitting for an hour at a marriage counselor. And it can be pointed out that these people, that no matter what, divorce is always going to be turn out worse. It's only because the grass seems greener further on. After it's all over, they look back and regret. How many divorced women and divorced men have spoken on the telephone to me? And I asked them, will you reconsider the first one? Would you like to remarry the first one? And they said, I would like to, but it's too late. And therefore, the time to reconsider is before you do it. So 
this is the, the little piece I was doing on that, and I'm not going to spend more time on it except for to tell you that my feeling is that everybody has to help to prevent from the destruction of the marriages, from this uh, this terrible thing that is affecting many marriages. Uh, I'm, the reason I discussed this whole thing today is because in the last week, three marriages that I, are people who are older, made my age, or give or take a few years, a little bit younger maybe, 10 years, 5 years younger, they're either on the brinks or they already got divorced. It was three different families, and it really gave me a shock. So I felt I got to at least do what I'm doing right now. But I think there's something else, and that is support system. We have to, as a community, do a support system. Now, there's a wonderful advertisement in Kashrus Magazine for Chesed Fund. In this issue of the magazine, it's found on page 43. The Chesed Fund is put out as a whole as a project of, of Frank Storch, who base, basically single-handedly takes, takes care of everything in Baltimore, everything. And the man is, what can I tell you, full of Chesed, cool of Chesed. You can't imagine anybody like Frank Storch. There's a, a hurricane. He buys up all the flashlights and gives them out free. This is what he does. I'm telling you. Everything, he just takes it on. Whatever it is, he is going to do something to counteract. So he has a website. It's called Chesed Fund. Uh, he doesn't, does he say it here? Uh, I went to it. It's funny. He doesn't even say it here. But you can look it up. Oh, my goodness, he doesn't have it on here. Maybe he thinks he'll, oh, he doesn't think people want to go on to the, onto the very interesting. He gives a telephone number because I, th- I think many people don't want to use Internet. And so, But he, he, it's Chesed Fund. I don't know if it's .org or .something or other. Um, some, there's one thing called Chesed Fund that's fundraising. <laughs> this is not fundraising. This is money going out. But anyway, Chesed Fund, uh, if you want a telephone number, oh, here's a Gmail. Okay, chesedfund at gmail.com. You could use that. Chesed Fund, C-H-E-S-E-D, fund at gmail.com. He has a website with all kinds of things that's free. They're, They're either little booklets or they're just one page documents. Keep your camp safe. Stay safe abroad. Pesach safety. Um, the Erev Shabbos and Yom Tov checklist. Communal candlelighting safety. Keep your school safe. Stay safe in Israel. Uh, local pharmacy and urgent care centers. Safety tips for the eclipse. Well, of course, that's not for now, but they will come up again. Sukkot hostess planner. All this stuff, and who knows what else. He has more. And and you go to the website, you just, you just pick what you want, you just download it, and that's it. No charge, no nothing. So I'm approaching him to try to get involved, and I feel that it's extremely important. We need to advise the Rabbanim who do Cedar Kedushin, who marry the couples off. We need to talk to the people who train the Chassan or train the Kala 
we need to talk to certain communal people in the shuls to identify a new talus came to shul. Somebody started wearing a talus in our shul. It means he's married. Okay, you can go over and tell him one quick joke, but you really have to monitor. You got to see he's happy. You got to feel him out. You got to just try to befriend him. You just got to make sure he feels at home in your shul if he moved into the neighborhood. You got to just do whatever you can. And those people who are actively involved in the wedding, whether it's the Masada Kedushin or the people who train the Chosin and the Kala or the Shadchan, you have to have periodic monitoring that something is that everything is going well. The first four months are the most crucial. And people just need that, that, that chizuk. I provide it to, to many, many people. Sometimes it doesn't help, but you try your best. I, I work with uh, people, uh, and I can't do a regular counseling, but, I, do, but I, I work with people that I do know on a regular basis in trying to give chizuk to their marriage. It's extremely important, and everybody can contribute. And that's that's my feeling, and that's sort of the end of that little topic. And now I'm going to go on to what I was talking about before, which is the kosher travel guide. Rabbi Miller will be, excuse me, people do travel, and I'm not promoting traveling, I'm helping the travel to keep kosher <laughs> and, and to utilize his, his time best. Last night I sat with a, uh, with a fi- very fine young rabbi who I know from days when he was a little boy, <laughs> David Max, who was in a town called um, Richborough. Richborough, PA, in Bucks County. It's a tiny town, and we were talking about how to build up his shul and and different ideas that I gave him that would be hopefully going to be utilizing. And he talked about the the outs, you know, the the key that he does there. And he told me, and it's on his website. Anybody who wants to spend a Shabbos in uh, Bucks County, uh, you want to visit uh, this Rabbi uh, Max, a very fine young man, Muslim from from Chavetz Chaim in Queens, second generation Chavetz Chaim graduate, and uh, very fine people. And you're, you're welcome to go there for Shabbos and Mechazek his community, which he, he could use some, you know, from Jewish blood coming in there visiting Shabbos, and you'll visit everything else on Sunday, Monday, whatever you want to go around. That's a nice place to go. Rich borough in Bucks County. It's not that far. Give it a try. Now, normal, <laughs> I mentioned normal this because I have a few written names written down to look up, and you can look it up yourself if you get the magazine. But normal Illinois and Peoria, Illinois, on page 66 of the of the new publication. Now, what in the world is normal? I admit, normal is not uh, that exciting. It's not like, uh, you know, it's, it's not like New York City, where there's a million things to do. But in normal, there's one Chabad. In preparing the Kashrus magazine this year, I was struck by how many towns have one Chabad, nothing else. And then what was even more striking is that how many shuls do not have a minion during the week at all, or only shacharis, or on Shabbos don't have a minion, guaranteed. Some places it says 
we will try to get a minion. Some places you go to the website and you write your name down. You want to be there at this time and we'll try to get a minion and we'll let you know if we have a minion. That's how, uh, how, how money, there are many communities where there's not a minion every Shabbos and not a minion every day. And what, what happens is that the, the Rabbanim have to live that way for, for, for years and years and years. Uh, occasionally they get more people, especially in the summer. So when you're going to one of these towns, if you do, and you're dominating with one of these shuls, you should know you're giving chizuk to that community in a very, very, very special way. But you also have to know you might not get a minion. I remember many years ago that we went on a, uh, visiting a certain Choshiva Rav out of town, and he went away for Shabbos to this community or wherever. Maybe it wasn't the Shabbos. I'm not sure anymore. Yeah, I think it was Shabbos. This, I'm not, I, the way I remember it is he went for Shabbos to this community, and they had, had a minion there and everything. And then Sunday morning, some people went back, mostly Shabbos. Sunday morning was very tight. And uh, we didn't get a minion. It was like eight, nine people, finally nine people. And we're waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And I, I said, you know, is there anybody around here? They said, well, there's a certain person over there. So I'm a, I, I, I don't have any problem. Maybe they didn't want to bother him, but, but I went out and got him. And he came in. But by that time, one of the people had gone ahead and was half finished davening. I said, what's going on here? He said, I, I spoke to him afterwards. I said to me, I couldn't handle it. I couldn't wait anymore. It was just driving me crazy waiting. <laughs> so some people can't handle it, but you should know that, that you, if you're the 10th man, you made a minion. You know, you can have nine Talmud Chachamim. You can't say Baruch Hu Kaddish Kedusha. But you get 10 average Jews. You have a minion. And that's that's the reality. Um, so, it, it, you know, it's it's important. I live here in Flatbush. I don't know who's uh, who's from Flatbush who's listening, but there's a, the the biggest shul here is Rabbi Landau's shul. But his the, the grandfather who started the shul in the very beginning, he told somebody that I know that he he had difficulty getting a minion on Shabbos. It was very very hard for him to get a minion in the beginning. They had to, to resort to some heterim in order to have a minion. That's the reality. So today, it looks, you know, a thousand people dominate every day. And then one time, they couldn't even get a minion on Shabbos. So that's that's the reality. And uh, we can give chizuk to a community, and then, then then that community has strength. It grows and grows. And it mechazik all the people in the community. So if you can choose a place that can be helpful, there's plenty of good places to visit. One place you might consider is Ben Salem, Ben Salem in Pennsylvania is a, is a nice little town. Uh, in, in that town, in fact, one of the people just made a simcha last night. I was there in Lakewood. Um, it, it, ben Salem is a small town right outside of, uh, of Pennsylvania, of Philadelphia. And uh, Ben Salem, um, let me just get it out here, because even though it's small, we have a nice in, entry over here. Ben Salem is right near Yardsley, and it's the, it's the first town outside of Philadelphia. The shul is Kehilas B'nai Sholom, very nice rabbi, Rabbi Moshe Travitsky, and it's Bucks County also, and they're very much, 
in, in, involved in reaching out to the community, just like this uh, Rabbi Max is doing the same thing not too far away. So if you get a chance to visit one or two of the others, in, in Ben Salem, you're more guaranteed for a place to, you know, to... Um, for, for a place to uh, to daven on, with a minion all the time, um, there's a place over there. Uh, let's see if somebody mentions where to go. It doesn't mention where to, who to call to stay, but uh, there is definitely. Uh, oh yeah, there's has yes, there is Shabbos hospitality is available and encouraged. You call B'nai Shalom at two one five seven five two five zero three two. And uh, it's near Valley Forge and Franklin Mills Mall. Uh, there's a lot of historical sites there. Washington's Crossing. And it's great stuff right near there. Pennsylvania Dutch country. If you want to do an interesting Shabbos, try Ben Salem. Or try, you know, try Rabbi Max in uh, Richboro. If you want to go to something a little bit more... Oh, I did mention normal, and I didn't... I don't think I said anything here. Yeah, normal is a suburb of Bloomington in Illinois, and they have a Chabad. Chabad is in the, uh, is in the state university, and uh, they, there's a lot of stuff you can get to eat, and uh, they have a lot under the CRC, Ashkocha, from Chicago, but as far as uh, places to daven, I think it's just this one Chabad at the Illinois State University. So when you're dealing with one of those situations, you have to be located nearby. Of course, you can speak to the rabbi, and he'll be able to help you, and all the information is in Kashrus Magazine. Um, but I just thought the name normal, I had to grab it. We don't have every city in the world and <laughs> the country. We, we just, you know, we do uh, some we do on our own, and some are sent to us. But one that's interesting to me is Jersey City, New Jersey. And, and I'm interested in that because I taught for no, a number of years in the yeshiva in, in Jersey City, which just doesn't exist anymore. But Jersey City was absolutely down and out, and there was nothing there of Yiddishkeit for many years. And now it's being revived by Hasidim. So they have now a new enclave of Satma Hasidim moved in, and they have a short Kahala Das Greenfield, Greenville, Greenville I'm sorry, on Martin Luther King Drive. Can you imagine that? Satma Hasidim, the 221 Martin Luther King Drive. Rabbi Menashe Meyer is the rabbi. If you want an interesting Shabbos, maybe that's an interesting Shabbos for you. Although I, I think it's, I think it's very nice to go. Oh, I think it's very nice to go on to the. Um, it, it's very nice to go on to the uh, to Monroe, and that, and that's an area that's. You know, only Satma Hasidim. Very easy to just walk in there and uh, to, to to say I'm here, and you'll and they'll take care of you. But uh, if you'd like, Jersey City, here's a telephone number from Rabbi Meyer or of the Shul, five five one eight hundred two two seven nine. And I think you'll be really excited to see a Hasidic community over there. There's also in Jersey City, which, by the way, is not far from Union City, uh, where there's a whole uh, whole Hasidic contingent there. You know, the, the, but in the, the, but there's also that's uh, in in uh, there's another there's another one over here, Kahal Levi Yitzchak Abaditchev, unbelievable. 
these are in Jersey City. Hasidim are looking for places to move to, and these are very reasonable, very near New York, and that's why they moved there. For for a person visiting Jersey City, and a lot of people from people work in Jersey City. I mean, the main thing is that it's near the Liberty Science Center. So if you if that's what you're looking to do, it's a great place to visit. And there's minchas and maras. We got everything in here about the different davening and the place to park. It just anything you want. We have in this guide. Of course, you go to Lakewood. There's just you go walk to from you know from one place to eat to another. But if you need a guide, you'd like to know what's there. We have we have a guide that's packed packed with places to eat, and of course some of the minyanim we don't mention all the minyanim, but but uh, one of the places that really excited me putting in was Kiryas Joel, Kiryas Yoel. I I went I got involved in that, and I I was so excited to get involved. What I thought was interesting, especially for me, was the fact that they have several places to stay. I didn't know it. You wouldn't find it easily. We give you the places to stay. I don't. I don't know exactly the details there, but it's not very expensive. And I, what I thought was interesting about it is that uh, that they had uh, they have one of the places that got fourteen units. I don't know. Maybe they took over some motel or something. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but uh, I spoke to one of the gentlemen, and it and curious oil. It's not going to be called Kiryas Yol much longer. In 2020, Kiryas Yol's name is going to change to the town of Palm Tree because Rabbi Teitelbaum, Yoel Teitelbaum, who was the Satmar Rav for over 60 years, he his name is Teitelbaum. Teitelbaum means Palm Tree. So all these years it was called Kiryas Yoel because of his name, Yoel Teitelbaum, that's all. Now it's being switched to the town of Palm Tree, and it's going to be the first town that's owned by you know it's only from only. And I don't think there's nothing to do in Kiryas Yoel. I researched it. There's a wonderful little duck pond over there, and there's three beautiful. There's two other beautiful waters over there, right nearby. And there's two places to stay. If you're passing on the way up to the mountains, you have a little time. Go to Kiryas Yoel. It's a great place to stop off and, uh, and, and and to get a bite to eat, and it's a and it's a great place if you want to stay over. It's not expensive, and you'll be in the park. You'll be in there. It's it's a it's an experience. If you've never done it, do it. I mean, we we've gone uh, through there many many times in Monroe, and uh, I used to uh, so many tefillas over there in the shul. It's unbelievable shul. I want to tell you one quick story. I still have you on the phone here, so let me t- let me share with you a quick story from Monroe. First of all, there's a total misunderstanding that people have. They think, "Oh, the Hasidim collect money from us." <laughs> you got it wrong. Just go to Monroe, and you'll see how many people are collecting from Hasidim from Hasidim. It'll be an education to you. It'll, be, but that's not the exciting thing. I'm going to tell you two little stories. One is that when you go into a Hasidic world, whether it's in Williamsburg or in Monroe, and you uh, you see them collecting in a shul, they don't just put their hand out. They have little bags, talus zekels, 
And on the outside of the Tal Zekel, it says, Gemilis Chasodim. It says, Bikacholim. It says, Shabbos, uh, food for Shabbos, whatever it is. It has lists. It, 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 each one is collecting from something else. And they have the name embedded, like embroidered, just like yeah, your name, you write your name on your Talisekel. They put the name of the tzedakah they're collecting for on Talisekel. They're all legitimate. They're all collecting from each other. And they give. And it's a lot of people. I saw it. But this is the story I wanted to share with you. I saw it myself. It was between Mincha and Marv, and I was wanting to catch the first Marv to go up to, I don't know if I was going to the bungalow colony or I was going home, but in between the bungalow colony and home, I used to stop off sometimes in Monroe. And I'm waiting for this first Marv, because they don't daven early. They daven so late, they're Mincha, they're, I don't daven the late Minchas, but they did. They daven very late Minchas. So the Marv is you know, pretty late. I'm waiting over there, and there's a little downtime when nothing's happening, and all of a sudden I see them taking a little boy. He couldn't have been two years old. A little boy, I'm putting him on the table. He was a Svartish boy, and his father was there. I don't think he was Hasidish. He definitely was Svartish, and the definitely was the, the father was right there, and they collected for him. Big, whatever it was, I don't know. I don't know the story. I don't remember the story at all. I just remember collecting for this little Sephardish boy until Marv. He's not from their Kahila, but they know how to give. They understand what it means to help somebody else. They understand Chesed, and if you know anything about Rav to their organization. You know how much chesed it does. That's them. That's the chesedim that you see maybe collecting in your neighborhood or maybe doing something else. You're not, you're not familiar with who they are. Get educated. These are some of the finest souls that we have in our community. And Avas Yisrael is for everybody to everybody. You don't select. You don't. If you have to love Am Yisrael, Hashem didn't make a, a, an Ashkenaz or, or a Hasidish nation. He made the Jewish people made up of all different stripes. And we have to have the Avas Israel. So I don't know if I was a helpful in any which way to, to tonight, but I had to do it because of those three families. And I hope and pray that people will try to do that chesed of reaching out and being mechazek one another so that we don't have this continuous travesty that is happening and destroying our community. And if anybody has a kid in yeshiva, you know how many people are being affected by it and how important it is for us to work on shalom bias. And until next week, this is your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler. I want to thank you for listening. And if you'd like to get a copy of our travel guide, Coach Travel Guide for 2018, 154 page, 152 pages, no, yeah, 152 pages. Uh, you can get it from us at 718-336-8544 or you can write us kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S at AOL.com. It's for sale in some stores uh, and not all the stores. Uh, we've cut back on the stores that we're, we're, we're handling it. So if you're interested, 
best off to get straight to us, and we can rush it over to you. You can get it in a day. We'll make sure it gets to you within one day. Thank you very much for listening.